Welcome to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. I'm joined tonight by Andrew and Mike. It is Friday evening, October the 2nd, and the Eagles have a Sunday night football matchup uh, at the San Francisco 49ers. We are going to break down this matchup a little bit tonight and give some predictions, some players of the game. Uh, right off the rip, fellas, how are you feeling about this game? Uh <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's not like the three previous games have given any type of uh, confidence that we should have. However, not at all. I feel like this could be one of those weird things where everything is stacked up against us and you're going to see a vintage Carson and we wind up winning because it would make no sense. There's also nothing... a little thought in my head that things have been so bad that what if it if the bad just keeps continuing and we're just, I mean, we've been heartbroken kind of for the past three weeks. What if Anyway, I'm trying to balance out my emotions to prepare for the worst. Well, and I think balance is an interesting word looking into this week and, and how the Eagles are going to be able to balance all of their needs, not being predictable uh, with limited weapons. And we'll talk about injuries on their side of the ball as well as the 49ers. But I'm also, uh, you know, things are bleak right now, as, as I stated in our text the other day. And uh, it's, a, it's a hard time to be an Eagles fan. And it's a time we haven't been acquainted with for a while, but that we know well. And so it's, it's hard to get back into this mindset. Um, but somewhere in me is some optimism about this game. And maybe we'll try to figure out where that is tonight um, and leading up to our predictions. But as I mentioned, the Eagles and the 49ers both have some injuries. We're going to begin by talking about the 49ers offense, who at quarterback are going to be starting backup Nick Mullins, who had a decent outing uh, last week against the Giants, um, was able to hang 36 points on them. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is out with an injury. So we're going into this game facing a backup. Um, the Eagles are in a position where hopefully Jim Schwartz can dial some things up and get really aggressive. But to me, that's a good start. Uh, in the Eagles position at 0-2-1 on the season, I think they really need a win here. Obviously, this is sort of a save-the-season you know, dire straight situation uh, for the Niners to be starting a backup quarterback is an advantage, but this guy is an accurate passer, uh, doesn't have a great arm, um, isn't very mobile from what I understand about him, but I really don't know too much about him. Um, and it seems as though he will be starting the game. So the Eagles defense right off the bat has a little bit of an advantage, but the 49ers offense can't be talked about without mentioning one of the best, if not the best tight ends in the league, George Kittle. And uh, he has stated that he's going to play in this game. Andrew mentioned right before the podcast that Kittle himself mentioned he could have played before uh, last week's game, but that he was sort of held out for safety's sake. So, Andrew, this was sort of a, a talking point for you. And I know the Eagles have had tons of issues at linebacker and safety, and that's likely where Kittle's going to win uh, on Sunday. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, Kittle versus Nathan, Nathan Gary Jerry. Um, does not look good. Uh, so, uh, like you said, Kittle said he, he could have played last week. So that gives me the understanding that he's basically going into this week 100%, and that's scary. Um, I don't know if the if the if Schwartz will get um, 
uh, creative and maybe switch off Gary so that you have, uh, uh, I don't know, a cornerback, a safety, a double team of sorts, like a loose, uh, a tighter zone um, to, to cover him. But he's good across the middle. He's good deep. Um, you know, in 2018 and 2019, he has over 80 catches, over a thousand yards, um, five touchdowns each of the last two seasons. So this guy's a stud. And I mean, look at the tight also end. Run you over. And he also you run you over. He's yeah. a beast. He's a beast. And look at what the tight ends have done so far um, this season. You had, what's his name? Higby with the Rams. And I forget the, the um, uh, Bengals guy, but they've been dominating and it's because we have the weakest linebacking core in the league and that's not going to change miraculously this week. So I don't know. It's a scary thing. That matchup is not good. Um, the other thing that scares me about the, the 49ers offense is they run a ton of motion play action. Uh, Chris, I think you were mentioning this before the pod, but um, that is also not a, a good thing for the Eagles defense. They tend to bite both the DNs, the linebackers, and the corners on play action, um, misdirection type of thing. So if that's core to the Niners offense, uh, that's a scary thing as well. I think we did a little bit better of a job last week. Uh, Barnett stayed home a couple times, which was super, super exciting to see. But um, yeah, it just, it, that matchup, Kittle versus our linebackers, um, and then their style of offense really doesn't feel right. Yeah, and Kittle is, uh, you know, just to <clears throat> replace Stat Matt, who is not feeling his best today. Um, so I'll do my best to fill in for um, what Matt's so good at providing us, which is stats. George Kittle, 6'4", 250 pounds uh, so far this year, four receptions for 44 yards, 11 yards per, per rece uh, reception. Um, he's a big guy. If he's catching 11 yards per reception, that's basically a first down each time he gets the ball in the game. Um, so definitely a game changer, somebody to look for in the red zone. And being 250 pounds, I imagine he can block. So I guess the linebacking crew has got some, maybe look for some long yard runs too from the, from the Niners. Not only can he block, Mike, that's a great point, but Andrew mentioned the motion. He factors in in so many ways. For, uh, my dog Sonny is super passionate about this. Hey, uh, Sonny. He factors in, in in a lot of ways, not just from a, a, a blocking standpoint, but also from that motion standpoint. As a tight end, they do put him in a good amount of motion as part of that offense. And sometimes he'll line up looking like he's going to block, and he'll actually wind up uh, becoming a, a passing target and mostly make plays after the catch and a little dump-off pass and just turn around and just start stiff-arming people. Just such an athletic force. So the Eagles are going to be really up against it. Uh, Mike, Chris, just to, to follow that up, he's coming off in 2019, an 85 reception season. Um, that's up there for tight ends. So. And the year before that, he had 88 receptions um, for – and in 2018, 88 receptions for basically 1,400 yards. That's a beastly season. So this yeah. guy can play. Yeah, I mean, it's been him, Travis Kelsey, and then for a while there was Zach Ertz as the three, like, clear um, leaders as, at tight end. I want to just touch on Nick Mullins real quick because I, I don't fear him. However, um, he uh, – where is this at? Uh in his nine starts, so he started nine games, he has thrown for 26, uh, about 2,600 yards. Only Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck uh, have thrown more after nine starts. So not drawing comparisons, but that is good company. So, uh, you know, this, that. 
yeah, this guy, you know, can toss toss the ball. And he's got, I think he's, you know, got a 70% completion rate. Now I know he's played the Jets and the Giants, and that's a joke. But look, he's been efficient. He's been accurate. And, um, you know, it's something that we need to, to, to monitor. Now, I think we'll get into this later, but I, I do like our defensive line putting some pressure on him. I really like the phrase, I do not fear him, pause, however. So maybe that'll be something moving <laughs> forward. A player we don't think much of, but who could potentially do damage. Uh, and, well, and Mullins could be that guy. fears Mullins. Well, well and, and certainly his competition hasn't been great. So he will be up against more of a test with this Eagles defense. Mike? And, yeah, and Mullins is coming off. They played the uh, – San Francisco played the New York Giants last week, um, who probably aren't really the greatest team um, to measure your talent against. But – Mullins had one touchdown, zero interceptions, a 108.9 passer rating. Um, that's a pretty good outing by him, even even for just one touchdown and, inter- and zero interceptions. So, good play. Yeah, and I'm just going to kind of touch on this quickly, but in addition to Kittle returning, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being out, Nick Mullins starting um, as another sort of issue for their uh, offensive game, uh, both Tevin Coleman as well as – Raheem Mostert uh, are both not going to be playing in Sunday's game to the best of my knowledge. I know Mostert for sure. Tevin Coleman is also out, right? Okay. So, so. you know, their, their run game and their sort of run pass option um, designed offense uh, is going to be at least a little bit limited there. They do have Jarek McKinnon who's bounced around the league a little bit, was in Minnesota for a little while, but you know, I think the Eagles still need to watch out for the run game doing damage. Uh, the, The Niners, as we've mentioned, are also an injured team. Um, and they need to watch out for the run game and factor in uh, a player like Debo Samuel, who was uh, really effective for the Niners, even in the Super Bowl, running those end arounds and jet sweeps, um, as well as their rookie, Brandon Ayuk, who we actually talked about, or is it Ayuk? I don't remember. Uh, we talked about in the offseason um, as being a potential Eagles draftee. And uh, he has been productive, uh, even as a rookie out in San Fran. So we have to be able to watch out for that. And, and I think the question becomes, you know, with Debo Samuel likely playing on Sunday and Ayuk definitely playing, uh, where does Darius Slay line up, uh, knowing that they can be both a run threat and a passing threat? Um, any thoughts there, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, um, look, Ayuk is dynamic for sure. I mean, we saw him on tape. Um, I don't think – I think what we ultimately came to the decision was there wasn't anything that um, – uh, above and beyond that separated him from a, a bunch of the other really good first round wide receivers. However, um, he had a bit of a breakout game uh, last week. I think he had five catches for about 70 yards. Um, so look, he, yes, he, he's a, you know, a weapon for them, but anybody that Slay's defending is, is irrelevant as far as I'm concerned, because Slay has shut people down this year. He shut AJ Brown down um, last week and, and yeah, his footwork, his his balance, his speed. I w- I actually watched a bit of film on him specifically in coverage this week, and he's so good. And he's faster than I uh, than I thought. I thought he was more of like a hitch at the line, and then just good positioning. But he can run with you. Um, he does. He he's allowed ten of sixteen targets to come his way, but only for eighty seven yards. So while they might be completed, he then shuts that down. There's no yak there. Um, so. Look, I think Slay shuts it down, whether it is Debo, whether it is Ayuk, but of course with their speed um, and skill set and, you know, our iffiness at uh, cornerback, it's something to, to look out for, for sure. 
Yeah, posing that dual threat. And uh, in talking about the cornerback position for the Eagles, I think it's worth saying that because Darius Slay is so efficient on his side of the field, the question mark is at the other uh, the other outside corner position. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But uh, the Kyle Shanahan offense is known to be innovative. Like Andrew said, a lot of motion before the snap, those sorts of things. How are we feeling about his ability um, – to utilize maybe some of what Sean McVay was able to do against Jim Schwartz's defense. Um, how do we feel about that matchup? Because really it's Kyle Shanahan, I guess you could say against Doug Peterson, but because he calls the plays for San Fran, it's, it is Kyle Shanahan against Jim Schwartz, at least in part. So how do we feel about that matchup? I'm personally concerned. I think in an offense like Shanahan's where there is so much motion, so much misdirection, so much disguising, um, that Schwartz plays such a traditional style that unless he starts to you know, really dial up the blitz, which he isn't known to do, um, then the Eagles are going to have a long day. But I do think the fact that they're starting a backup quarterback, Schwartz is going to want to throw a lot at him and see what he can manage. Mike? Yeah, no, that's, um, that's a good point. Maybe Schwartz wants to take advantage of the backup quarterback. But so far this season, the defense is still a, a group that needs to prove themselves. They still have yet to um, intercept the ball or, or, or get a defensive turnover at this point. Um, so those guys are those guys kind of come out hungry. I would like Jim Schwartz to be aggressive. I think that's a little against his philosophy as he likes to just rush four defensive linemen to put pressure on the quarterback and allow more people to uh, drop back in coverage. Now, our linebackers have been terrible. So... The fact that there's motion um, in the offense, any comparison to Sean McVay at this point scares the hell out of me because that was just one of the worst games I ever watched as an Eagles fan. Um, so I guess we'll see. There's a lot of question marks, too, in the defense. And um, Schwartz, you know, he needs to be really crafty. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, crafty is a, a good word. Um, I think he's going to have to get, get crafty and creative. Um, I, I do think there was a bit of some groundwork that he put together against Cincinnati that you may see again this week. Um, he did seem to blitz a little bit more, try to put some pressure on Burrow. They had a weak offensive line similar to the, the 49ers weak offensive line. Um, so maybe you get uh, Jalen Mills at least had one sack last week um, and then maybe another pressure or two. And then I think there was another cornerback blitz. So um, definitely coming from the edge, uh, which I think we'll see this week as well. Um, the other thing is, I think we need to see Peterson call a good game, right? Um, he, it feels like he almost has to be perfect this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're 100%. chasing. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to be chasing points. Um, it certainly looks like we might be, uh, but he's going to have to be efficient. I think Schwartzy, in the same uh, in the same um, way, is going to have to be very strong uh, in, in driving pressure and getting pressure on Mullins. Chris. And we will talk a little bit. Yeah, we will talk a little bit about um, Doug and what he's going to have to do from an offensive and play calling standpoint. But to get onto the defense, um, we have seen the D line start to come on. I, I do think we saw a lot of good things in the Bengals game, including the eight sacks and uh, eight t- eighteen, excuse me, quarterback hits. Um, I personally want to see a little bit more from Javon Hargrave, who was brought on from the Steelers in the offseason as season is kind of the other big defensive signing next to Darius Slay. Um, and I think part of it is him transitioning from a three, four. I think when he's able to put it together and, and let's hope he can do it quickly and, and in a road situation this week, but 
you know, if, if they have that kind of pressure up against this guy, Nick Mullins, I think as a backup quarterback, he's really going to be feeling it, especially with Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox in the fold. So I think I've seen a lot from Malik Jackson. I've seen Fletcher Cox play, play well. I want to see a little bit more from, from Javon Hargrave. And I, I hope he breaks out a little bit this week, to be honest with you, even if it's just pressures, even if it doesn't show up in terms of um, sacks. But I, I think there needs to be a focus on making this backup feel uncomfortable and, being able to to only put that on the D line, I think we need to think about the secondary and the fact that, as we mentioned, Darius Slay sort of shuts down one side of the field and who's going to be on the other side. So let's explore a couple of options just briefly. Um, we as a podcast and as friends have talked about the possibility of the rookie Kayvon Wallace coming in at safety and the Eagles bumping Jalen Mills from his safety position currently out to outside corner opposite Darius Slay. That's certainly one possibility. But uh, as I mentioned before the podcast, um, there's been uh, some bold claims made by Craven LeBlanc um, saying things to the press like uh, 34 always answers when his number is called and you can't put a bottle cap on how far I'll spread these wings, which makes me believe that Craven LeBlanc may be making a start on the outside opposite Darius Slay, likely with Nikel Ruby Coleman in the slot. Uh, and that would leave Jalen Mills at safety. Now, personally, in a game like this, um, I, I'm not sure Kayvon Wallace's stature, uh, but I, I want to say he might be built a little bit bigger than Mills. I think they are going to want size against uh, a tight end like Kittle. They're probably going to want to put some more of that in the middle of the field. There's, you know, last week there's Chris, Trevor Kayvon, Williams. Kayvon, by the way, Kayvon yeah. is 5'11", 205 pounds. Okay. So – I'd like to know what that is, I guess, comparably to, uh, to Jalen Mills. But Trevor Williams got the, you know, got the time last week uh, when Avante Maddox got hurt and was targeted, um, but otherwise played actually a pretty decent game after being targeted immediately and um, T. Higgins scoring a touchdown on him. He actually graded out pretty well, but he's been injured this week, so it's thought he might not play. Um, so if that winds up being the case, the, the Eagles are going to have to adjust in some kind of way. Who do you trust more on the outside uh, at this point? Do you trust Jill? Okay, Jill Mills, six, six, okay, six foot, 196 versus. So comparable enough that that wouldn't really be a difference maker. Um, and maybe they want to leave Mills next to Rodney as kind of a leadership uh, from the defense. But, you know, do we feel comfortable if it is Craven on the outside? Uh, I mean, sure, why not? Let's, I love the confidence in him. Let's let him spread those me wings. Me too. Those are, those are strong, strong words. To me, he's made plays when he's been called upon. I really believe that. Mike and I watched the New Orleans Saints-Eagles uh, playoff game in 2018 when Alshon Jeffrey dropped that uh, famous pass. And the first play of the game, Drew Brees aired it out to Ted Ginn Jr. and, and Cravon picked it right off. First play of the game. And I, I still think of that play when I think of Craven just because I think it's he's kind of stepping up in a moment uh when he's called upon even though he he's not always the first guy called so I think he has potential on the outside but I do think he will be targeted um but the sure. yeah but the likelihood of of the Eagles being able to shut down this quarterback and sort of lower his confidence I think starts with the defensive line and then hopefully maybe Craven can make some plays early yeah I mean Look, I, you know, I don't want to – we don't – this is a rabbit hole, but are we having this conversation if, if Russell Douglas is still on the team? He just Who graded, graded in the top ten? He's a top ten uh, cornerback after three games. Now, I know that's a, a, a limited 
you know, sample size. But I think we were all when he was with the Eagles, he had his speed just wasn't there, and you know, he had a toughness about him that we loved. But and he made plays. Um, yeah, he did make some plays, but he could get burned. That's true. But obviously, they let him walk, thinking that Craven could step up, thinking that um, Roby Coleman could be there. Uh, you know, Maddox was going to be good. So I, you know, I don't know. But uh, yes, let's put Craven in there. Let's see what he can do. Um, I think they're still trying to get this Jalen Mills situation figured out with him adjusting the safety. So I, I, I fear that they don't want him to slide back into a, a cornerback role. Um, they want to leave him back there. So, yeah, I guess, you know, next man up and, and Craven. Let's let's see what you got. I mean, we like you said, Chris, we've seen flashes. Um, clearly the confidence is there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe this is a good test. The, their wide receiving core isn't that dynamic. It is not that strong. It is not that threatening. Um, so let's see what he can do. Um, yeah, absolutely, Andrew. And also, I can't help but think how much this team really is missing a leader um, in Malik Jackson that we had last year. The only person who comes close to filling that role at this point Mal- is Malcolm, Ray- Jen- Malcolm Jenkins. Who did I say? <laughs> Malik Jackson. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we, got, uh, we got Malik. <laughs> we got Malik on the line. Uh, yeah. Malcolm Jenkins – is definitely sorely missed at this point. Mm-hmm. Brandon Graham is probably the closest thing that we have to that leader of the defense. And it, I think Brandon has a different type of leadership than, than Malcolm had. Um, and that could be a key like X factor that might be missing from this defense at this point, which is one thing I really like about Kevon Wallace. You know, he identifies as Wolverine. I don't know if you follow him. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, but I, I like that analogy. I like yeah. his um, – the Eagles need a little more of that. They need a little swag. They need a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And to bring it back to Craven, I like that that he has that chip coming into the game. Like, I'm, I'm the guy who can, you know, fill this position. So Yeah, no, and, and I feel like you, you saw more of that when with uh, Jalen Mills when he was at corner, the Green Goblin. You know, he played with a little bit of swagger, but – I. Sure. I don't think we've seen that as much um, this year. And maybe that is because he is in a new position or um, it's just overshadowed by how bad our offense is or our team in general. You know, maybe it's just being overlooked. But I would yep. agree that that feistiness that, um, you know, uh, Jenkins rallied everybody. He made everybody feel like they were dogs and, and you know, ready to battle. And, and I think uh, he, called, he called the plays on the field. Did not? Uh, I think you're right. I think you might be right. Um, Especially after Jordan Hicks left. And now we're right. relying on Nathan Gary. Gary, Jerry, Barry, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but more importantly, like just switching to a different subject, the Eagles have to force a turnover in this game. I think that's kind of key for them to establish some kind of an identity. Um, it needs to happen. In your mind, like, where do you think that happens? Is it, mm. is it a, is it a strip sack? Is it, is it defensive pressure that leads to an underthrown ball that safety can just cut off and intercept? Interesting. Like, you know, how, how does, how does that happen? And if it were to happen, how would it happen in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen the closest um, to a turnover has been 
like a strip sack. So Josh Sweat has gotten in there, I think, once or twice and looked like he was going to swat, um, swat the ball and, and strip the quarterback there. I don't see it being a, a pick, like a cornerback jumping a route or anything like that. That deflection, um, you know, at the line and then maybe a, a safety or linebacker picks it off, that, that could be in play too. I'm not, you know, special teams already has one. Maybe they get another one as well. But obviously, I think you, I think we want to see it on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the most likely um, that we'll see is is probably from the defensive line pressure, backside sack, strip uh, strip sack there. Um, yeah, but no, I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah. So why don't we take it to um, to Carson? Um, we'll switch yeah. gears here and let's talk about the Eagles' offense. Obviously, another big game for Carson. It's always going to be him, you know, for the at least the foreseeable future. Is he going to get right? Right now, he has the lowest passer rating in the NFL at 63.9. He's committed the most turnovers with seven, most of those picks, I think a fumble or two, um, and hasn't done seemingly anything right since we were leading the Washington football team 17 to nothing. Um, do we think Carson goes back to being Carson this game? Do we think we see a uh, small improvement or do we see another form of regression that has been Carson this entire season? Let's hold up. Give me a sec to get Christopher back in the session here. 2020 Zoom problems. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Is that Sonny or Chris? Well, no, it's, sorry about that, fellas. I'm not sure what happened there. I was like, talking in a good stream what felt like and I looked up and you were both like oh <laughs> no no problem um, we I don't know what the hell happened but um but everything's Chris just yeah, as a little recap unless Andrew you want to yeah no let's just did. let's just power through um yeah. I, we switched gears and went and we're talking about the Eagles offense the question I was uh bringing up was was about Carson and um, I, I stated that he had the lower, lowest passer rating in the NFL at 63.9, turnovers, you know, everything. So is this a game against the 49ers that we see um, steps of improvement, signs of improvement, or is this another example of regression that we see? What are your, what are your thoughts? What are you feeling? Um, this you know, is specifically with Carson? Yeah. And yeah. my thoughts are kind of like, this is really hard to formulate an argument one way or the other because – on one end, you have the fact that he's a high-caliber quarterback. We've regarded him that way prior to this season. He's, he's made um, – he's had bad games, and he's recovered from them. Now, Carson's had three bad games in a row, 72.5 QB rating, 56.5, 63.9, like Andrew just said. That's consistency. If I, I don't know – what it is, and I think we were talking about this on the last podcast, like what could it be? Could it be an injury? Could it be personal life things that have strayed him away from, you know, focusing on football? I don't know. Um, I need Carson to come out and really prove it this week. Chris, I mean. It's a really hard thing to diagnose, and I don't mean to be cold when I say this, but um, this week, Carson, it doesn't matter. We need to win badly. 
So, and a lot of it lies on you. You got a big contract. You know, we talked also in the last, last podcast about him looking over his shoulder at Jalen Hurts, having been the second round pick. My opinion, you know, the guy needs to step up and play a good game. We, he's had some good flashes to me in the Cincinnati game. It was kind of too little, too late. I mentioned that in the podcast the other day. So, you know, I, I want to see a big game from Carson and it doesn't have to be a big stat game. What I want to see is him start to stack plays together. Hand the ball off to Miles a couple times. Let him do some work. Throw a ball to Ertz over the middle for a first down. Make some rhythm plays that show that you can take this offense and maybe using a little up-tempo and do some damage and put some points on the board. Because this team, this Niners team, is going to score points. I was going to get to this later, but the Niners uh, lost to the Cardinals 24-20. to Since then, they beat the Jets 31-13 to and the Giants 36-9. to Now, those are bad teams, but they're whooping them. So they definitely are a team that can hang points, especially in the absence of George Kittle. Um, so I think, you know, I want to be able to see Carson Wentz manage the offense and control the offense and make plays where he needs to take off where you need to. That's one bright spot I thought came out of the Cincinnati game, but you know, he's not going to have all the passing targets that he's had even so far this year when they haven't been successful. So I need Carson to be smart and to really lean on the players that he can trust. And I think extend his trust a little bit in a player like John Hightower, who's going to be one of the few receiving options other than Greg Ward, and will probably get significant snaps on Sunday. Let him go down the field and win like he's been doing and give him a look. Uh, there's a play I watched this week where Hightower was wide open, beat his man clearly, and was downfield. And Carson looked at him and just kind of didn't have the confidence, doesn't have the rapport. You can just kind of tell that he, he needs that extra push. And I think you might have to take a little bit of a leap of faith in those kind of relationships that are still still coming on, still developing between, you know, Carson and a, a fifth-round rookie draft pick. So, you know, I want to see him lean on Ertz, lean on Miles, uh, make, you know, make good decisions. But I think this is a huge game for Carson Wentz, and, and not to use hyperbole, but one of the biggest of his career because of this sort of backslide that he's gotten himself into. Um, do we want to talk about – Just, just Sorry, to, uh, you know, something that you touched on, and I think you mentioned the word scrappy. And I'm just wondering, given that, you know, a lot of Carson's main receivers aren't going to be playing in this game, it doesn't look like that, that they'll be, that they'll be playing. You know, Greg Ward might be the number one receiver. Um, he just came on last year. We've got some uh, rookies relatively um, unverified or proven players that are going to be put in primetime positions. If Carson doesn't have a good game, but ultimately the team goes to victory and wins, is that a step forward? And maybe that's too much of a hypothetical, but um, – you know, is that, is that a, a plus or a minus or neutral? Priority one is the team winning. I think if he has a good game, it's, it's a bonus. But I'd just like to see him have a decent game where he doesn't do anything stupid like we've seen him do over the last few weeks. And, and I mean that because I think of him as an intelligent player. Um, but where I see that rhythm sort of develop, Andrew. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, if we, if we somehow get, get a win here, um, it probably won't be pretty. Um, is that – yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that, to me, that feeling would be like, okay, yes, it's a win. Yes, it still makes us competitive in the NFC East. But if Carson doesn't show signs of progression, then I'm deflated, to be honest with you. So I, while, I, while I would agree that um, the stats don't matter, his, um, his poise, his decision-making, 
um, that needs to be sharp. And if that's sharp and he, you know, they still get a win, then maybe I feel a little bit better. But um, yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about it, to be honest with you. I, I know think my, about like even a if Miles up. has a great game. I think about like a pump up montage in a movie where someone's been kind of like beaten down, they've had some fallbacks and then all of a sudden like they're starting to work out or like get on their thing and they're working out <laughs> towards something. I feel like that has to be Carson's mindset this week. I mean, he's also going to be facing a Niners defense. You guys may have touched on this when I cut out, but uh, Nick Bosa is not playing uh, on the edge for the Niners defense. Solomon Thomas is not playing in the middle uh, for the Niners defense. These are two uh, high draft picks. In addition, Richard Sherman will not be playing in the backfield. And Akello Witherspoon, who's the opposite cornerback, is, I think, questionable. Um, and may play, but but has sustained some injury. So, you know, Carson's going to be facing a defense that has some holes in it. And hopefully he can take advantage um, of, a decent, of a defense, excuse me, that otherwise probably would have done um, a lot of damage to him, um, given the way that he's played over the last couple of weeks. If Bosa and Solomon Thomas are in there, I mean, that, that rush is coming right in his face. So I feel like he is in a position where he can uh, make, hopefully make some plays himself, but lean on those playmakers that he has on the offense. Did we discuss a defensive player of the game? No, we were going to wait for you for that. So let's, let's okay. get, in, let's get let's, into that. Let's get to a defensive player, an offensive player of the game, and then some predictions, and we'll wrap up tonight. Again, apologies for the uh, technical difficulties. The defensive player of the game uh, for you, Andrew. Um, I believe I've said him before. He's come up before. But uh, Brandon Graham is going to be my, my defensive player of the game. I think I, I have a feeling that they're going to have to double a little bit and slide to the, the middle a little bit more with Fletcher and Hargraves um, disrupting. So I think there's going to be some one-on-one opportunities on the edge. And, you know, I think BG leads this team in sacks and tackles for loss. Um, so uh, I see this uh, as a BG game. Um, you know, I'd love to, you know, see some blitzes from the outside, but, you know, from Mills in the corner. But I, I think a lot of the pressure is going to come from the edge. And I think it's, uh, it's a BG game. Michael, what do you got? No, I love that, Andrew. And we were talking about this earlier, Chris, when you fell off that, um, you know, the Eagles need to get a turnover in this game. And mm -hmm. we were discussing how it was going to be caused. Was it going to be a strip sack? Was it going to be, you know, a cornerback, outstanding cornerback player, pressure by the defensive line that led to an underthrow and maybe uh, safety getting underneath the, route or underneath the ball thrown? I think this is the game just with everything going on that given, given they haven't had a turnover, Darius Slay, he wants to be called big play. I think now's his time to make a big play, if, if any. So play I'm going with Darius Slay. You're absolutely right, Mike. I think it's going to come from the backfield. I think the big plays uh, this weekend, if they come, are going to come from the backfield um, and, and being able to intercept this uh, backup quarterback and, and my hope is that the D-line can also get after him and, and sort of create some pressure throughout the game and hopefully early to sort of set the tone but man I don't I just have this feeling I feel like Craven, you know you, you can't talk like that Craven, and then come out and not play and and every time Craven's been called to make a play he has so spread those wings be crazy but I'm going to call my defensive player of the game for this week a desperate season-saving win against <laughs> 
the San Francisco 49ers, if the Eagles are able to pull it off, I'm going to say that Craven LeBlanc is going to be a big defensive part of it. Uh, he's definitely going to get targeted. That much is for sure. So flipping to the other side of the ball, uh, Andrew, your offensive player of the game. Yeah, for this one, I have, I have Greg Ward. Uh, I think he's, at this point, Wentz's number one option. Uh, yes, I, I think we know what Miles can do, and I think we'll see what Miles um, uh, brings to the table once again. However, I think because of, of some injuries, they're going to be able to game plan for Miles a little bit more. Um, they're going to be able to shut down Ertz maybe a little bit more. And without Goddard there to break that up, I, I see Greg Ward as, you know, the safety valve, the go-to, the number one in the progression scheme of Wentz. So uh, with the chemistry there that he has going, um, the consistency that he has going, um, I see Greg Ward with another touchdown this week um, and probably six to seven catches. So Greg Ward is, is going to be our offensive player of the game this. I like that. He's been reliable. He's been reliable. One of the few things this 2020 season that, that Eagles fans have been able to count on. Greg Ward, great story too. Mike? Um, I'm going to kind of go with something off the cuff here. Um, <clears throat> just given the, the lack of depth that we have at wide receiver, um, the fact that running the ball is going to be paramount next week, you know, this coming Sunday. I don't know how much, how many snaps this guy will get, but I feel like the most impactful player in the game might be Jalen Hurts on some uh, designed run plays um, out of shotgun formation. Maybe, maybe, maybe a touch, oh. direct snap to, um, you know, score the winning touchdown. Wow. But I, I would really like to see Jalen Hurts be integrated, especially when we're depleted at wide receiver. Miles is coming off a game where Doug said he had fatigue. Miles actually confirmed it. Um, you know, we need to find new ways to – Eagles need to be crafty, and I think Jalen Hurts is a way that they can be crafty. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to choose the other quarterback, uh, as lame <laughs> as it may be. I think the Eagles need a huge game, as I mentioned. And I was back and forth about who to choose this week um, because there are so few options. And I know I chose Miles Sanders last week, and I think he's a safe bet every week for offensive player of the game because his first couple games he's already racked up, I think, 200 yards. So he's in a good position uh, to, to make a big impact this year and, and be a consistent part of the offense. But to me, Carson Wentz is it this week. If, Car if Carson Wentz has one of those games where – he reminds us all as Eagles fans of what he's capable of and is able to connect with his limited weapons. If this really is Groundhog Day to last year at the, what, what would it have been, uh, week 13 or week 12 when the Eagles had four games left and they had to go down the stretch with mostly practice squad players. If this is reminiscent of that, you know, mix in Zach Ertz, mix in Miles Sanders, maybe mix in the rookie John Hightower. I think if Wentz can really execute this game well, we will say that he was the player of the game. Um, I think bounce back is, like I said, the movie montage thing is still in my head. Bounce back isn't even a fair phrase. He needs to be kind of a phoenix rising from the ashes, like complete reclamation project uh, kind of a situation. And, and wow. I need to see that kind of game from him. Um, it doesn't have to be in terms of stats. To me, he can still be the offensive player of the game, in my opinion, uh, even if he doesn't rack up the stats uh, when we look at it afterward. I really just want to see good decision-making and control in the game when they're on the road, uh, playing Sunday night football in prime time, o two and one. Chris, so, Andrew, does, Chris does he do it with his feet again this week? You saw a glimpse. I of think at it. least, at least one rushing touchdown. I actually see wow. both Jalen Hurts wow. and 
Carson Wentz rushing for touchdowns this week. Wow. Oh, we've gone, right. off, we've gone off the rails. No, I really, I really think that they're going to be so limited in the options that they're going to value that uh, ability to rush, and they might, you know, threaten it. Carson's touchdown, if he's to score one on Sunday, will come with Hurts also on the field. I'll also say that because I think what they'll threaten is having both of them, but having Carson actually run it in and maybe the other time, as Mike mentioned, having Jalen Hurts. But we need to see those sorts, sorts of wrinkles worked in. That's something that I really want to see from Doug uh, this Sunday, and, and I want to see those kinds of plays worked in. I want to see young players have an opportunity because Eagles aren't really in a position to, to hold any punches. Let's, let's get after it. So predictions. This is uh, a tough, tough situation here. And we've all picked the Eagles to win uh, since the beginning of the year. We've all been wrong consistently. <laughs> so trying to look at this through realistic lenses, despite all the factors and nice analysis we went through tonight. Mike, let's start with you. What's your prediction for this week? So <clears throat> the Niners have scored um, quite a bit of points in their first few games here. Um, I think both our offense and defense need to make a good good showing. So I, I think the defense will hold the Niners to their lowest points uh, so far this year. I don't think it's going to be a blowout because of how the season's been going. So I, I really think it's going to be something around like a – I'm going to go with 24-21 Eagles win. Interesting. Um, I <sighs> – this one's this one's thanks. This is going to be an ugly game. I think this is going to be a sloppy game. Um, both teams with injuries, both teams with talented talent in in particular areas. Um, I don't know. Every it is prime time. It is national TV, so maybe people get juiced up. But uh, I don't know. I don't see it. Um, I see a twenty three twenty loss uh, to the 49ers. We have to travel there. Um, I don't think protocol is like the same. It's, it, you know, it's a little bit tighter. I think the travel is going to be tough and we're just not a good football team. Um, I, I think there, <laughs> there's opportunities um, and I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. But um, this is, this is a 23, 20 loss for the birds. Um, they go Oh, three and one. And uh, we look forward to the, um, who's coming in the Steelers or the Ravens or, you know, we got a heck of a schedule too. So um, maybe I'm deflated, maybe I'm negative, but 23, 20, 49ers on, in a close one, ugly one, tough one. All right. Well, I, I, I can appreciate both perspectives and I definitely was back and forth all week about what my pick was going to be on the pod. But like I said at the very beginning of the podcast, there's a little glimmer of optimism inside of me. And maybe that's just that the law of averages trends in such a way that things have to eventually reverse, but maybe they slide a little further before they actually reverse, as Mike mentioned earlier. Maybe the, the, the bad gets worse. Um, but I have this feeling this week that against all odds, um, the Eagles are going to go out to San Francisco and get the win. Now, I think the total point spread is something like 47 total points or 46 total points. Um, to me, you know, I think it will be lower scoring, mostly because of the, the sort of characters of both teams at this point being heavily injured. Um, I'm going to make it uh, Eagles 27, Niners 24. Um, Jake Elliott hits an end-of-game field goal to win. Oh. So, he, uh, I don't want to be putting your, put, putting your money in Jake. 
I don't want another end of the game field goal situation. We all saw how that went in overtime. Last well, week. I don't want to. Well, see let's it. hope. Let's hope. You know, let's hope if that's the situation that Doug makes the right call. I just see it. I do see a tight game. Andrew mentioned that. I also see at least a little bit of a sloppy game. I think part of that is Wentz playing the way he's played and then also a backup quarterback and just both offenses being really riddled with injury. But one of the big bright spots I think is going to be in this game that this might be the game we see the defense really come together. This combination of Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, and Fletcher Cox coming up the middle. I think I think that could do some real damage this week. Um, I'd also like to see the ends make some plays. Andrew mentioned Brandon Graham. Um, love to see my boy Josh Sweat stack some more up there. Um, but I do think they, they have an advantage. Uh, the hope is that the backfield and whoever winds up being on the other side, as we mentioned, we're still unclear on it, that they can hold up uh, and that they can create the turnovers that they need in this game and that probably would have won them at least one or two of these at the start of 2020. So that's Mike and Chris with an Eagles win, Andrew with an Eagles narrow loss. We'll see what happens on Sunday Night Football. Go Birds. Let's go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds.